This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. think about Harbor Church, I always think of lovers of God, people who desire to connect with God and experience the presence of God. And so it really is uh, an exceptional privilege to be with you once again. Um, I, uh, I cannot tell you uh, how much we appreciate uh, Darren and Wendy. Uh, seriously, they are some of our favorite people on the planet. Just seriously love you guys. And I'm sure you all do love them too. Uh, but uh, such a joy always to connect with uh, the team. We had the privilege this week to have the, the core team together with four other churches and just uh, have a, a wonderful time of just considering our engagement on the mission. Now, um, about seven months ago, we relocated to Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, with the intent of establishing a church there and trusting God for engagement within the context of the city. We made fast friends, and it my privilege to have one of the pastors of the region there from Ridge Church uh, just visiting here over the last few days. We've been doing all kinds of stuff here. And uh, so we're dreaming up all kinds of mischief together uh, for the kingdom in terms of uh, impacting that particular region. So thank you for your prayers. And may I just say um, thank you to Harbor Church for your partnership with City Changes. Uh, a ministry that uh, we represent, where we minister to leaders in 22 nations in the world. And uh, even in this season of so much uncertainty, you guys have just been such pillars of support and engagement. And uh, therefore, when you invest in this house, you must know they're a conduit. They're actually investing in other ministries, making it possible to serve all across the world. And so uh, thank you for your investment. Keep on giving. Darren wanted me to say that, all right? So keep on doing that. Um, this Awaken series, just amazing. Just consider for a moment that in a few hundred churches, in the region today, everybody's talking about God's calling and mission for the church to impact this region. And so collectively, the church is speaking about how do we position ourselves as the church 
towards our community. You know, I think of the disciples and how Jesus consistently was communicating to them that they were to be on mission. Uh, that weekend when Jesus died must have been a devastating moment for the disciples. Suddenly it feels as if they were losing everything. They're confused, they're uncertain. And they're together in this room not knowing what the future holds. Probably feeling animosity against the Jewish people. They killed our leader. Probably having a sense of, of, of strong negative feelings towards the Romans. And it's in the midst of that that Jesus appears to them. Jesus is just resurrected from the dead. And Jesus greets them and says, Peace be to you. Shalom be to you. And in that instant, Jesus doesn't engage with them to discuss all their uncertainties and their confusions and, and their sense of, of what's busy happening to us. He introduces them to redemption. He says, look at my hands. Look at my side. He wants them to identify with a greater reality. And the moment he recognizes that they see that, that they engage that, he puts them back on mission. And he says, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. You know, I couldn't help when I was thinking about this picture just to see a few parallels as to perhaps where Harbor Church is right now. <laughs> a few uncertainties, a few things that are happening. You could rally around and kind of start to discuss how you feel about what's happening and whoever and, 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 and your uncertainties and all the things that you might feel stirring in your hearts. But I come to you today to say the way God wants you to engage the future is not with anxiety or, or having conversation about the confusion of processes, but to recognize redemption and to recognize that you are on mission. This community needs you. This community is desperate for the revelation of the fullness of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus in a way knew that, that he had to keep his disciples aware of mission. And so just before he dies, 
He prays. And it's captured for us in John 17, the Gospel of John uh, 17, where Jesus prays and it's called the high priestly prayer. And when Jesus prays, Jesus prays this for his disciples. Read with me in John 17, verse 15 to 18. Listen to what Jesus prays. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. (laughs) Let me just stop there for a minute because somehow I thought that was the intent of Christianity. I always thought the idea of Christianity is bring people out of the world. But here's what you need to discover. The moment you come out of the world, you find Jesus and then you are no longer of the world. But you that are no longer of the world, Jesus wants you back in the world. Because listen to what he prays. But that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. You know, growing up, that was one of my favorite texts. I am not of this world. And then one day I discovered that that text is within a bigger context. You that are not of the world, listen to what Jesus says. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me. In the same way, in the same manner as you have sent me, so I also have sent them into the world. I must admit, I struggled with this portion of scripture. Often asked, Jesus, why did you pray this? And then one day I got a revelation and I got this revelation when I was trying to set my dog free from fleas. So I share with liberty today the parable of the fleas. My dog had fleas and I decided I was gonna comb through the hair of the dog and catch every flea that I could and set my dog free from fleas. I don't know if you've ever tried it. It's a pretty challenging exercise. So here I was trying to catch the fleas and a friend of mine arrives and asks me what I'm doing. So I explain to him my project and he says, Alan, why don't you just go to the store and buy a flea collar? I thought, well, there's an idea I never thought about. So I went to the store, bought the collar, put it around the neck of the dog and within three days, all the fleas are gone. I'm intrigued. I'm not trying to figure out how did the fleas at the tail end know there is now a flea collar around the neck of the dog? I mean, how did they know it was a flea collar? And, and, and how does the system work? So I went back to my friend and I said, please explain to me. He said, Alan, it's pretty simple. He says, on this flea collar, there is a powder. And as the dog moves, the The powder is released, it sits on the skin of the dog, it's assimilated through the skin into the bloodstream of the dog, it builds up an immunity, and now as the blood circulates through the dog, when the flea at the tail end bites the dog, the flea dies and the dog lives. And I said, hallelujah, now I understand John 17. 
I now understand what Jesus was praying. Father, I do not pray that you take them out of the flea nest of this world. Put them right in between the fleas. It's a new translation, okay? But do something to them. Sanctify them with your truth. Let truth so find opportunity in their lives. Let truth build an immune system within their lives that when they enter into this world, they are not affected by the world, but they will affect their world. Wow. When I saw that, it dawned on me. That's why we sit Sunday for Sunday and during the week and connect with one another over the truth of who Christ is. Why? You see, because truth was not just designed to prepare us for eternity, truth was designed to empower us for life. Wow. You see, what is this truth? What is this truth that can so empower a life that when you walk into this broken, damaged, confused, hostile world, that you're not intimidated or infatuated. But you can enter that space as the carrier of life, of light, of love. That you enter that space as he entered the world. So we enter into our world and there's so much to be said about that truth but that truth is to discover yourself in Christ to discover your true identity in Christ to know who you truly are that in him you died you died to the old died to the old Adamic reference you were raised raised into newness of life Christ now becomes the very reference of your true identity. You are seated with him in heavenly places, a place of proximity, of intimacy, of, of, of being able to release the grace of God. You start to understand that God is no longer far. All distance has been canceled. God is with me wherever I go. The Father has made his abode in me. I am the address of God here on the planet. Those are the things that empower a life. It changes the way you live. Now you start living with integrity, not because you're trying to exercise some willpower, but because there's a willingness to give expression to this revelation of newness of life. It's a different way of living. And that's when you start recognizing God stirs your heart for that which is in our world. 
And now you move from concern to compassion and, and you become someone that says, how can we can get engaged? How can we make a difference? And you recognize that you can make a contribution because God has graced you with gifts. And, and suddenly you recognize that, that you are called. There is purpose on your life. And, and there is something that you respond to in terms of God's hand being upon you. You recognize that with as with Jesus, you are a anointed to do it's amazing what that does to a human life when you start to recognize these things now this is what Jesus wanted his disciples to understand because when we look at, at how he equipped them and how he trained them you know sometimes when I think about the disciples and Jesus. I think, you know, maybe I would have taken this group of 12 guys and said, guys, listen, just listen to me. You're good guys, but you're not the sharpest there are. So we got to work hard at this, all right? And we're going to run a program for you guys. We only have three years. <laughs> and uh, okay, in the first year, we're going to do these fundamentals, okay? And then we'll take a test and then next year we'll, we'll do it. But what does Jesus do? Jesus says, come with me, follow me, follow me. I'm gonna take you places. I'm gonna show you how to engage your world. And as he walks through that particular season of time, we see how Jesus introduces them to things that broke the mold of what they thought should be doing Jesus the Bible says says that we we're gonna go up to Galilee but we have to go through Samaria Samaria why would we go through Samaria no good Jew not those from Judea that's where Jerusalem is. No good Jew would go through Samaria because Samaria you know the, those people are not like us Jesus says we have to. He meets this woman at the well. Starts speaking to her. Jesus, what are you doing? A Jew doesn't speak to a Samaritan. And now a rabbi speaking to a woman. And then she wasn't just any woman from the town. She had a bit of a reputation. Jesus says, I'm teaching you. I want you to see how we that carry life, we that enjoy the presence of the Father, we that recognize in us is life. This is what we do. And the Pharisees look at that and it's documented in Luke 15. And they, they look at Jesus and they start speaking to one another and says, who is he? He's hanging out with Sinners and tax collectors. As a matter of fact, I like, I like one of the translations that says, Jesus was a friend of some very bad sinners. It's, it looks like you get sinners and then you get very bad sinners. <laughs> and Jesus said, those gold-plated sinners, I, I, I'm going to hang with them. Listen to what's busy happening. He's challenging them. 
saying, guys, you have to understand, I just did not just come so that you can be a tight group. You have to go. One of my favorite references is where Jesus has just facilitated one of the greatest miracles, the feeding of the 5,000. With just a little boy's lunch, the disciples are energized because they were part of this miracle. Remember, Jesus took the lunch, he blessed it, and then the Bible says, and he gave it to the disciples. Now, I want you to just think for a moment. The disciples have just broken up this group into fifties and hundreds, and, and here they're standing. Jesus is blessing this lunch, and then he takes this lunch, and he starts to break the pieces, and he puts a piece in every disciple's hand. And then Jesus looks at the people, he looks at the disciples, and he says, go feed the people. Now, I can just see those disciples. This is a problem. Can you feel the tension of that moment? Jesus. I see, I see how the disciples says, well, you know, Jesus said it'd be better to do this. So, so he goes down. I see how he goes to a group of 100 and then decide, let's rather start with a group of 50. I see him breaking the first piece. I guarantee you, the first piece was a small piece. <laughs> Why? He's a smart disciple. This stuff's got to last. So he gives the first guy a small piece and, and then he breaks off another piece and he gives it to him. Can, can you imagine the first guy? Hey, this is it? You guys went to all this trouble for this? I see him trying to explain. I, I'm so sorry, you know, so many people. I apologize. He starts breaking the pieces. And as he's breaking the pieces, Something happens in his hand. It's like, I'm, I'm sure I'm imagining things. And he starts breaking the pieces and he, he's going to test it, breaking off a bigger piece and then a bigger piece and then a bigger piece. And, and ultimately, they just start throwing pieces, I think. Because they picked up 12 baskets that was ever left over. Now you can imagine, just imagine what's busy happening, those disciples. I mean, they're high-fiving one another. This has been the most amazing miracle. And Jesus says to them, go over to the other side. You have to understand, they did not want to go to the other side. The other side was the unclean side. The other side was the Decapolis. It was, it was where the the nations of Canaan, the seven nations of Canaan had settled there. That's the unclean side. That's the pig-eating side. A good Jew does not go to that side. They can't believe it. Jesus, things are happening here. Why are you sending us? 
But it wasn't the first time Jesus says, go over to the other side. If you go read Mark chapter four, Jesus says to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. But it's a wonderful way that Mark documents that story. Because as Jesus says that to them, the Bible says he goes and sleeps. You see, Jesus wanted to heighten the tension. Because you have to understand, for the Jews, they were under the impression if they went intentionally to the other side, bad things can happen to them. They had this omen, they had this sense of, of, of we shouldn't be going to that side, it's the unclean side. And, and now they're rowing to go to the other side, and you know the story, the storm comes up. Their conversation is, we should not be going to the other side. This storm is, 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 is evil. It's going to affect us. And, 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 and it's, it's the only time in the Bible where they accuse Jesus. They go and awaken Jesus and say, do you not care that we perish? It's as if they're saying to Jesus, we should not be going over to the other side. Well... Jesus gets up, speaks to the storm. They're surprised. They can't believe Jesus just quietened the storm. They get over to the other side. There's nobody there to welcome them. There's nobody expecting them. There's nobody excited that they are there because they are Jews and they are now going into this uh, environment that they should not be going into. And, and, and nobody there except one guy full of demons running around between the graves. And Jesus says to his disciples, guys, that's our man. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine what's going on in their minds? This is, I mean, this is rocking their world. Jesus, you're not serious. Yeah, that's our guy. You see how that demonic comes? Jesus drives out the demons. The demons go into the pigs. You know the story. There is this mass suicide of the pigs. What does it do? It wrecks the economy. And if you touch the economy of a region, you get the attention of the people. And so the people start showing up and they, they chase Jesus and his disciples This guy that has been set free, standing there, he's saying, can I go with? And Jesus says, no. Now, this was the interesting thing. And I always felt sorry for this guy. I said, Jesus, he just wants to join the team. I mean, surely. No, Jesus was so smart. Jesus knew he had just found the key to the whole unclean region. He says to this man, he says, go into every town, go into every, you've got to understand, remember, if you read the Bible, you will know, Jesus always told everybody, don't go, don't go into the town, don't go tell your story, don't go and cause a riot now, keep quiet about this, but in that side, he says to him, you go to every city, you go to every village, you go tell your story, they get in the boat, they go over to the other side, now they're here on this side, the Israel side, the 12 tribe side, things are happening, miracles are taking place, the disciples have just fed 5,000 people, they're excited, high-fiving one another, God is with us. And Jesus looks at them and says, go over to the other side. They're like, what 
Those people hate us. They, Jesus, they chased us away. We don't want to go to that side. And Jesus, oh, and by the way, I'm not coming with you. I'll join you later. What is he doing? He's training them. He's equipping them. He's making them aware. It's okay. God is with you. But they get into the boat. Now this is evening. I mean, this is even worse. Now they, they're rowing towards the other side. And you can imagine the conversation in that boat. Guys, and bad things can happen. And if it happens, Jesus is not with us. What are we going to do? And so the next moment, it's such a beautiful story. You can go read it. The Bible says Jesus actually was up on the hill. He was looking at them. And his eye was on them all the time. We see how Jesus decides in the middle of the night, he's gonna take a shortcut across the lake. You have to have sympathy with these disciples. I mean, <laughs> here Jesus is walking across the lake. I mean, the disciples, the only thing they can expect is the worst. So they look at this and they say, a ghost. <laughs> Jesus says, no, 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 not, no ghost, just me, guys. And the Bible says he didn't want to get into the boat. He was actually going to just keep walking. But then Peter, of course, spoils the program, right? He gets out of the boat, sinks. Jesus has to help him back into the boat. And, and, and then they get to the other side. Now go read that story. It's not long. The rumor starts running through the region that the one that set the demoniac free is back. And the people start gathering and they start coming together. And it's not long, 4,000 people gather because Jesus had found the key to an unclean region. I want to tell you, I believe the church is on the verge of the discovery that we have keys to unlock areas and environments that previously we thought we could not enter into those spaces. God's gonna give us keys. And the 4,000 people are there and then they get hungry. And so what does Jesus say? We're gonna give them something to eat. And they eat. And they pick up seven baskets. Now they're back in the boat. They're now going back to the other side. And Jesus makes one of these major statements that the disciples never understood. He makes this uh, statement. He says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And the disciples huddle and they're discussing it. What does that mean? The leaven of the Pharisees. What does it mean? And Jesus is listening to them, but they come to this conclusion. There is no logic in this conclusion. We forgot the bread. <laughs> and Jesus says, guys, 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 come here, come here, come here, come here. He says, let me talk to you. He says, when we were on that side, the Israel side, the 12 tribes of Israel side, we fed them. How many baskets did we pick up? They say, 12. He says, you're right. He says, and then we went to this side, the unclean side. There were the seven nations of Canaan had settled. 
How many baskets did we pick up? They say, seven. He says, and you don't understand? And they didn't. And I didn't. Until one day somebody opened it up to me. He says, you know what Jesus was actually saying, guys? When we were feeding the people, we were not just feeding hungry people. This was a prophetic statement that I am the bread of life and there's more than enough of me to feed all of Israel. There's more of enough of me to feed my people, the church, the environment that you find yourself in as God's people gathering. But guess what? I also am the bread of life and there's enough of me to not just be used up here, but go to the other side. Because listen, actually, this side, that side, it's all my side. When you discover that, you recognize we bring far too much distance between the church and our community, between who we are and in God's eyes, who they are. They're all His. They're His. They're just orphans. They must discover their father. They must come to an awareness of the privilege that through Christ you can come to the father and become part of. Once we recognize that, it changes the way we think about engagement. I want to end by just referencing a scripture in uh, uh, Ephesians 1, where Paul writes, and the message translation says it's so beautiful. He says, listen, we have to understand that the church is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. At the center of all this, Christ rules his church. And then he says, the church is his body in which he speaks and acts. And this is great because we know he speaks in the church. But then he says, by which he fills everything with his presence. I want you to think about that. You know, if we only think about the church as the place we come where God speaks, it's truth, but it's an incomplete truth. Because the complete truth is when he speaks to us, we are empowered with truth so that we, through the church, he can fill everything with his presence. And how will he do that? By sending I truly pray that the next season would be something of that awakening within the context of, of the church here in South Florida, but in particular here in Harbor, that 
you start asking the question, how do we fill everything? Everything. Everything. And remember, everything means everything. There's nothing that's outside of his everything. So when you think about your everything, think about your home, think about your work, think about your community. He wants to fill everything with his presence. Can you imagine if there is a true awakening of the church in this whole region? what this place could look like when we don't just gather to hear him speak but we go to fill everything with his presence would you stand with me I'd like to bless you before we enter into some time of worship Father thank you thank you that we can be part of your agenda your mission here on this planet and as the Father sent Jesus you are sending us <laughs> Lord may every individual that's hearing this word just become so arrested in their hearts convicted and convinced they're part of God's mission thank you Lord be glorified as we, as we determine to truly affect our world. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Wow. So let's just make this practical as we get ready to go. Have you ever felt maybe like, what you think those disciples felt like what he has given into your hands seems so small and maybe the intimidation of like gosh does it will it really make a difference and if I go and give it away is that it and will it just be spent and, and will I even have anything else to give after that and will I look will I look foolish stepping out whether that's giving someone a hug or a kind word or who knows, fill in the blank of wherever you find yourself in your sphere of influence. One of the things we've been talking about a lot is this awakening taking Sunday's faith into Monday's work, into our spheres of influence within society and, and beginning to give away what we actually carry. So could we just, just before the Lord, just, I'm just gonna think even of myself, like where, where I'm feeling that stirring just from the, the voice of Jesus and that what I feel is that little thing that he's put on the inside of me and, and just the courage to start breaking it off and not holding it for myself anymore and giving it away to somebody else. Come on over this room. Could you just imagine what that may be for you? And Lord, in this place, as we, we imagine that thing that you've put in the inside of us, all of us, every single person, would you grant boldness in this hour like we've never seen? 
one. I don't know how this is gonna happen today, but as I'm praying and I'm really asking and believing that there'll be a boldness overtake your heart, a courage like never before to go and represent, represent Jesus through your life to other people. If you, just, if you want that today, just lift up your hand. Lord, we're all over this room. Would you just, would you just empower your, your bride wherever we find ourselves tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday of this next week, would you put the boldness of your love on the inside of us? Just like you did with Peter on that day, Lord. He got up and he was standing in front of people, but it was, a, it was symbolic of like what you wanna do in your church. No fear in Jesus' name. That's been a theme today. No fear, God, in Jesus' name of what you want us to do with this precious thing called the gospel that we carry. Christ in us. The hope of glory. Would you join me in just praying for our region, Lord? Would you bring an awakening to South Florida? like we've never seen before, something historic, something that 20 years ago, not from now, people would be talking about, writing about, Lord, and that would just continue on. Lord, we pray for young and old to experience the glory of God. Life, as Alan said it. Come on, pray with me. Life, Lord, over our region, life over our city, life over our neighborhoods, life over families. I pray specifically over business owners today, God, that you would use them. People in medical spaces, that you would use them, Lord. People in education, people in whatever sphere, mountain, Lord, that you would use them. Come on, let's pray. God, come and do something through us, we ask you. As Julie said earlier, awaken dreams in our hearts that have been just dormant for for months, maybe years, Lord. Just put courage on us to begin to dream again and not just dream, but start to step out and do something with those dreams. Inspire movement in your church. And when I say church, I'm not talking about a building or a denomination or some ministry with a name on its building or Website. I'm talking about your people, your bride, Lord, sons and daughters. In Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a hand as we go. God bless you guys. Hey, next Sunday, Harbor at Home. If you're not plugged in, we're going to be there next Sunday. Don't be coming back here to this building because it will be empty. Can I get an amen? We've had that happening. We'll be gone. We'll be out in our groups. And there's room in them for you, okay? There's space. We're raising up more and more leaders. Find one online. Find one on the mobile app. Go plug in. Be courageous. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless you guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.